So I started the week planning to preach in our next passage in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 16. Um, this is a section of Revelation that deals uh, primarily with God's final judgment on the world. And one section of this passage, as I was telling Kelly and Zoe this week, it talks about these um, spirits that look like frogs that are proceeding from a beast's mouth. And then our parish council met and we've made decisions that I'll talk about more in just a second. But it didn't seem like frogs proceeding from a beast's mouth, mouth was the appropriate thing to be sharing this morning in light of all that's going on in the life of our church. Um, on Friday, I came into the office and had this really delightful surprise. Zoe had made a version of the worship guide that said on the top this verse about frog spirits and had this painting of beasts with frogs coming out of their mouth. And this was, the joke was, we weren't going to use this worship guide for the service this morning, but it was a great joke. And so our kids have enjoyed that piece of art. I think it's their new favorite. So... As was shared in our small groups this past week, and was also sent out in an email on Friday to the, our church. Some of you might not have heard this yet, though. Um, our parish council voted on Wednesday morning that our church on September 8th would move to Redeemer Classical School as the temporary worship location for our body. And this was a, a decision that took place over a nine-month period. It started in September of last year, and we've been processing since then. Our vision, what is our vision of, as a church? What has God called us to be and do in this area, this side of the county? And how does that play out as far as a physical location for us? Now, Travis is going to share more after the service at a congregational meeting. Um, what I want to try to do for us this morning is ask, how do we move forward from here? How do we walk with God through this as a body? You know, the reality is there are a lot of varying emotions in the room right now. There's anger. There's sadness. From some, there's hope. And then at the same time, even from those with, with whom there's hope, there's a sense of sadness because others are sad. And there's anxiety because of that. What will this mean? What will this mean for all of us? And so what I've decided to do this morning is to talk for just a few minutes about, uh, to lay out an idea of how I think we move forward in this. Uh, really drawing from Ephesians chapter 4, the passage that Leah just read for us. But I've also asked four people from our body to come up um, and to share testimonies just of God's goodness to them through our church. So, so here's the thing, uh, and I'll say this more in a minute. What God has started here, he will continue. God will be faithful to his church. He will. And while this iteration of Church of the Lamb, to see that past, in, in a sense, is very sad. And we should acknowledge that. We also have to acknowledge that God is faithful to his church. And while there might be a change, that does not mean God is no longer faithful. That God is not still with Church of the Lamb and he won't continue to bless it in some new way that we can't foresee right now. So let me begin by saying this. I think the answer to how we move forward as a body is deceivingly simple. 
I think the answer to that question is we have to trust in God. Now, why is this deceivingly simple? It's deceivingly simple because it's easy for us in our lives to pay lip service to our trust in God. Of course I trust in God. I'm a Christian. But so many of us, when we look back on seasons of our lives in which we thought we were trusting in God, the reality is we were not. We were anxious. We were worried. We were looking at others and what others thought of us more than we were thinking about what God might think of us. When it came down to it, we were not trusting in God. Not fully. So how do we trust God together? What does it really mean for Church of the Lamb as a body to trust God? Well, I think one thing we have to be careful of is we cannot become overly preoccupied with each other. And this is an odd answer, but I hope you'll hear me out. We cannot become overly preoccupied with each other. You see, the function that we play in each other's lives as family, because we are a part of the body of Christ, the function we play is helping point each other to Christ. This is what Ephesians 4 said. We are to grow up into every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. This is the primary function that you play in each other's life, that you play in my life. Your job in my life is to point me to Christ, and my job in yours is to point you to Christ. If you look at the people beside you, your job in those people's lives is to point each other to Christ. Now, here's where we can easily become thrown off in that. When we obsess about each other's motives in our decisions. When we obsess about decisions that we might disagree with each other on, but really aren't moral decisions when they come down to it. When we obsess about those things, instead of giving each other to the freedom to follow Christ in the way that we are called to follow Christ. We can obsess about each other so much that we actually stop looking at Christ and look at each other more than we should. So here, here's a piece of sadness about this change that we're making. Bishop Steve shared with us back in November when he was with us and we were in this phase of really thinking about what is God calling Church of the Lamb to be and do. And he said that when churches make decisions like this, which we're not the first, as Bishop Steve shared with us, and I think Travis might share later, he's worked with several churches who have started out one way and then God completely threw them for a loop and they ended up in another place. And that was not a mistake. It was not a mistake anywhere in the process. It was just part of what God did. So part of what God shared with us, Bishop Steve shared with us, not God. He made, hopefully God was sharing with us through him. Is that when you move, if you move, when you move, God could call others to go somewhere else. He could do that. If he calls you to move, there could be others who are called to stay and to to shift directions. And he said, what you have to do at that time is bless each other. You see, our job in each other's lives is to point each other to Christ. And when we're willing to be free with each other in such a way that we say, you follow Christ as you are called, and I will follow Christ as I am called, we don't have to part ways in hostility. We part ways in blessing. And so, 
as we walk together as a body, we have to learn how to bless each other no matter what that means. No matter what that means. So how do we trust God together? I think the first thing is we have to be careful not to become too overly preoccupied with each other. Obsessed with each other in such a way that we turn away from Christ and not toward him together. Second, we really do have to trust that what God has started here, he will continue. He will. What has God started here? God has started here a, a gathering of a worshiping community to love each other through our pains and to serve God's kingdom together in this side of Rockingham County. There are so many beautiful stories of what God has done in Church of the Lamb over the last four and a half years since this church got started. God's God not going to all of a sudden stop being faithful to that. He is going to continue to gather a worshiping community of people who love him and who want to serve and bless his kingdom in this area. This is what God does. He is a faithful God, and so he will always do that. Now, I'm going to ask Kara to come up and to share first. So if you don't know, this is Joe and Kara Huber and their three children. Kara's going to come first, and then Josh Vinich is going to come. Josh has been leading peace to worship here for about eight months, and in the last four or five months has committed himself fully to be a part of Church of the Lamb. Um, and then after that, Martha McDaniel is going to come, and lastly, John Hay share with us. So Kara, will you come and start us, please? We've been at Church of the Lamb for about a year and a half now, which isn't terribly long in the grand scheme of things, but Joe and I frequently talk about how we feel our time here at Church of the Lamb has been some of the most spiritually rich of our lives so far. I grew up in a small, very conservative church in East Texas where it was very intellectually focused um, and had little appreciation for emotional responses to scripture and worship. And my family structure had a very similar theme with rational thought valued far more than uh, depth of feeling. So throughout my life, the concept of Christ's love for me has been a very difficult one for me to grasp. God's love for me always seemed kind of vague and hypothetical rather than a real and genuine concept. And I can look back over my life and see where God has been chipping away at my heart in a variety of ways, but my time here at Lamb has been especially poignant in my Christian walk. For about a year before we came here, um, we didn't go to church at all. I was, a, I was based on past experiences, I was feeling very disillusioned with the church and in my frustration kind of wondering whether it was uh, really a clear representation of Christ or just man's distorted version of him. And many times I tried to convince Joe we could be good Christians without being in a church. He didn't need to do that. But I eventually realized that um, my desire not to go to church was rooted more out of um, my desire for personal comfort rather than the well-being of my family. So we decided to come to Lamb, and we tried it out, and the first week we came in, we were just enthusiastically embraced and welcomed in, and um, this made me a little bit wary at first, because I was 
very committed to the stubborn attitude that I wanted to remain entangled with towards the church. But uh, bit by bit, that just kind of unraveled. And I felt drawn in more and more. And the things that drew us in first was the love include and inclusion demonstrated towards the children in the church. Children here are not viewed as an annoyance or a hindrance, but they're a vital part of the body. And they, all of our children were just loved and welcomed and incorporated into it. And as parents who are trying to raise godly children in a fallen world, having you all come alongside us, assisting us and encouraging us as we try to raise them in the love and admonition of Christ, it is an invaluable resource and blessing to us. I, I, so much so I can't even fully express it. Um, we were also drawn in by the active participation of everybody within the church from worship, from setup to takedown to singing and preaching, changing the diapers and taking out trash. There is a role for everyone here. And we felt that we were witnessing firsthand what it means in 1 Corinthians 12, that there's one body made up of many parts. And in a similar way, we were drawn in by the liturgical worship and the participation, how everybody participated together in word and song, and that it wasn't just a time of observation, but really all participating together. And personally, singing alongside with you every week is just one of the highlights of my week experience. We were also drawn in by the preaching and the faithfulness to the scriptures and to Christ. And I think every Sunday when we leave, Joe says, well, that was Kevin's best sermon yet. <laughs> um, but one of the ways that I was most drawn in um, here is just by the little ways that I saw everybody ministering to each other. Small ways that often go unnoticed, but I think they, I think they speak volumes about the love of Christ. Um, some of the things that I've witnessed that have spoken really deeply to me are the way that everybody helps with the children here, whether it's in worship, or godly play, or the nursery, or even the adults who sit on the front porch while our kids run back and forth after <laughs> church playing dinosaur. Um, I also, I've seen people mopping up spilled water off the floor, kneeling down and helping our beloved seniors in and out of cars, kneeling down to serve communion to the little ones up here, taking out the trash, bringing meals to people, comforting those in tears, and then rejoicing with each other in the good times. I've seen all of these little acts done towards each other, and I have been the grateful recipient of many of these acts. And these are the, some of the things that have taught me the most about Christ. Um, I've struggled to receive love most of my life, but the examples of love that I have both witnessed and received firsthand here, um, through those I have been taught more of what it means to be a part of the body of the Christ and a daughter of the King. In particular, I would like to share a moment with you where I realized that this was my church and this was my family. Um, it was at the annual celebration of Church of the Lamb at Jan's house last fall. And when we arrived, there was a very lively game of kickball going on between the youth and the adults. And our son, Daniel, eight at the time, he had never played kickball before, didn't have the slightest idea of what he needed to do. But he just boldly walked up and asked if he could play too. And it was just immediately and enthusiastically just folded right into it. And without missing a beat in the game, they just incorporated him and just guided him along with what he needed to do. And seeing the way that he was uh, so welcome and incorporated just mended something in my heart. And I remember standing at the fence watching um, everybody just 
all these generations just intermingling and everybody incorporated regardless of ability. And I thought this is what the body of Christ looks like. So I stand up here in front of you in gratitude um, for all the roles that you played, whether it's preaching, singing, changing diapers, godly play, emptying trash, shutting out bagels, whatever it is you've done, thank you, because you've shown me Christ. So I think our experience at Lamb can be summed up best through Matthew 25, 40. The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So, as Kevin mentioned, I've been a, I've been coming here for about eight months or so. Um, started doing music, um, uh, I guess, the end of last summer. And let me tell you a little bit of the story about how I got here. So. Um, Doing music has always been a part of my life. My dad was a director of music for as long as I can remember. And many of you I've actually known for a very long time um, because we went to Covenant back in the late 90s. So a lot of you, or at least some of you, I grew up with your kids or I knew you um, back at Covenant. And we didn't see each other for a long time, but here we are back together. So I was at Covenant in the 90s and then um, worked while I was in college to start Tabernacle Presbyterian's music program. Um, and then went to grad school at the University of Texas and ended up staying in Texas for about 10 years. Um, moved back here four years ago and started going to Church of the Incarnation and was really excited to be there. Moved back with my family and thought this is going to be a great place for us to be and started worshiping there. And Well, the, the, the years since I moved back haven't exactly gone the way that I um, planned that they would go. And um, so it's been um, an interesting few years. But about a year ago, my mom actually said, hey, have you seen that Church of the Lamb is looking for someone to play piano? I said, no. Um, and I hadn't really thought about whether or not that would be a, a good idea. I kind of thought, well, I live in Harrisonburg, and that seems a long way away, and I don't know why I would do that. And, but I knew enough that my mom kind of said, well, should you maybe at least think about it? I said, well, yeah, that's probably a good idea. So I thought about it. <laughs> and I felt in my heart... Um, that, that having really the privilege of being able to play piano and to lead is something that's really important to me. And uh, it became obvious after um, after visiting here and after playing for a few weeks that this was going to be a place that was really a great place to use those gifts and a great place to worship them. And since I've been here, um, it's become obvious that, that God kind of had that conversation, that opportunity for a reason, not really just for me to be able to come and to play music here, but for me to be able to be part of this, um, of this body, especially at kind of a difficult time in, in life. Um, so as I think about what makes the church, um, some of the things that, that I identify with that I think make, make it really special, um, first is the way that um, the church is committed to worship. So I can tell you from working with the worship team on Sunday, the joy that they bring and the honor that it is to be able to work and to lead music with them how much I enjoy that, and from working with Kevin and Kelly and Zoe and, and everyone um, in terms of playing liturgy, that it's a church that's really committed to, to thinking through um, worship and through helping us to worship together in a way that um, is, is something that's going to be meaningful for our body, but is also something that's connected to the way 
our bishop and our diocese and our tradition has us worshiping. It's really something that's special where I think those two things are met together with people who are so committed to both that tradition and the body of people that's here. And that means a lot to me to be able to be a part of that and to be able to listen and just the way I see everyone working together is something that I, I don't see a lot of places. There's an openness to others' ideas and also a, um, a sense of rootedness and groundedness to where we're going. It's really an encouraging place to be able to, um, to serve in that area. And I'm, I'm just happy to be here. And then, you know, lastly, a lot of similarities to what Kara said, um, the way the church disciples one another and loves one another. Um, the first thing that I was struck by coming here was, you know, not, not being terribly connected, but just observing was the way that you love each other. And that's obvious for, I think, anyone who walks in. Um, to see the way that, that everyone in this church loves and cares for one another um, is meaningful in the way, to see the way that you love and care for me um, has been really meaningful. And also for, um, for discipleship, you know, I've, I've really not been here terribly long, so some of those relationships are just beginning. But I could tell you whether or not it's um, meeting with, um, with you know, several of you who, who I've met with and talked to and, and have friendships with, whether it's meeting with Kevin or other people on, on staff, that the way that you've encouraged me in my faith and the way that you've encouraged me to listen to God and, um, and to be open to his voice and listening to him has been um, really an encouragement. And I'm really looking forward to the years that are coming. So I think that the, the worship and the love and community and discipleship that I see here are really special, and I'm really thankful to be here. And thanks to all of you and to God for having us all together. Just, <clears throat> I want to say hi to my church family. I'm so happy to be in the family of God. And that's just how Bernard and I felt when we entered the doors over at the Yellow Building, uh, probably, what, three years ago. Uh, I saw the ad in the Valley Banner that the church was open. <laughs> and we had probably planned to go to Church of Incarnation because that's where our son and his wife and family go. And Bernard and I decided, well, Let's give Elton a try. So we entered the church and the music when it started. Well, Kevin, I don't wasn't there at the time. It was Aubrey. He came right to us and talked with us. One of his children helped my brother that has Alzheimer's. We the Aubrey gave us some kind of test that day. He read things. And we was to fill in the blanks. And she sat beside him and helped my brother do the blanks. And when we left there, we were on cloud nine. I mean, it, it was such a blessing. Well, then we, in 2017, May, just about two years ago to the day, Son said to me, Mom, it's time you all move. And, and I said, okay, I'll move my bed next week. <laughs> so, so anyway, over the months, Bernard and I, we started moving our things up to this little cabin up to Sunday. 
And finally, in October that year, Marshall stood in on our couch at up in Sun Valley. And well, we told Marshall and Tommy in May that year that we was what had been said to us by our son. So anyway, Marsha's sitting on the couch and she said, Vernon said, we're going to move, we need to do it. We need to get it done before cold weather. Marsha says, okay, give me your, what, what you need. Vernon said, a U-Haul truck. We moved everything we can <laughs> So thank God. She sat on the corner of the couch and she called, she made arrangements for the U-Haul truck. So we were up here by December the 8th that year, which was her birthday. It was the first snow of the year, and everything was beautiful. The trees were covered, and we came to the Church of the Lamb, and everybody, everybody embraced us. We felt God had been so faithful in making every step work for us. Kevin came to visit us, and um, we just we just loved the things that we see here at Church of the Lamb. Like I said, it's faith. It's God's faith. I have a couple scriptures that have always helped me to not worry about anything, but in any, everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And I just know God's going to be faithful to us. I know that we all stand, everybody in here prays, and like Kevin said, there are things that could try to bring us down, but, you know, God is faithful. He's, he's going to see us through wherever we go. So uh, right now, he's, he's got plans for us. And I guess in September, it will happen. So I am just so thankful to know that God is so faithful. We have prayed, everyone in here, because heaven has asked. We've enjoyed the home groups. We know how to prayers have gone in the hundreds. So I I just know that if we pray and are thankful, make our requests known to God, He's going to see us through. And you know, church is the church of the Lamb is God's church. And when it's God's church, Jesus reigns. So let's just Hang in and hold on. <laughs> Trust and obey. There's no other way. <laughs> okay. Thank you all. Good morning. It's good to be back. We've been gone three weeks in a foreign land called Michigan. And uh, I saw my wife's home state for the first time. And it was beautiful, the UP, little snow, lots of ice, cold, and I'm glad to be home. <laughs> it was beautiful. But I want to say this morning, I say amen, repeat what everybody has said. But I felt led and I asked Kevin if I could take just a little turn to share something a little bit different 
So I hope you will bear with me. 38 years ago this spring, I read for the first time these life-changing words of Moses found in the 91st Psalm. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Let me explain why these words were so life-changing. Four years prior to this dramatic scriptural encounter, I and my family had left the denominational dwelling place of our heritage. After encountering for the first time the true gospel message of grace and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But while leaving this dwelling place was difficult, the new dwelling place was filled with spiritual blessings I could never imagine. And yet it was filled with heartache, of separation, and much fear of the unknown. The journey to our new dwelling place brought deep pain to everyone in our extended family, and it shattered close friendships who sincerely believed that we had left the true church and gone into apostasy. But our new dwelling place among spirit... We pray for the engineer. <laughs> <laughs> but our new dwelling place among spirit and grace-filled believers was a refuge. It was a place as a family for us to grow in our faith. These were what I call the honeymoon days for our family, you might say. For not only had God led us to a new and vibrant spiritual dwelling place, he had provided us with good careers, with secure retirement benefits, a comfortable suburban home, you know, the kind with two cars in the garage located only two blocks from the best elementary school in the district, allowing your kid to ride his bike safely back at home. We were living the American dream, or so I thought. One night, I actually had a dream. Very clearly, I heard God speak, John, I want you to sell everything you have and come follow me. It wasn't pizza. It wasn't too many beers, it was a real dream. After days of prayer and agony, as well as conflicting counseling opinions, the call was confirmed. Our family knew that God was leading us to a new dwelling place. After resigning from our jobs, selling our house, all of our furniture and cars, we packed all we owned into four trunks and seven suitcases. We left our families, our new church, our community, our careers, and we headed west, far west, to Hawaii. Now, before you laugh and say, oh, sure, John, who wouldn't say God called them to Hawaii? <laughs> I want to quickly de-glamorize this tropical adventure in paradise. We arrived near midnight on the barren black lava shore of the Kona Airport, where we were quickly taken to our new dwelling place, an old termite and cockroach-infested house on the slope of an extinct volcano where 24 people from seven families representing three nations were to live in close quarters with only three bathrooms for three months in a missionary boot camp training. When I saw our new dwelling place, I was frightened, angry, and on the verge of tears, and I cried out, God, 
I missed your voice. I didn't hear you correctly. This place cannot be what you've called us to. Fast forward three months. Through many doubts, tears, and joys, the boot camp training was complete. My assignment was to reestablish a fledgling Christian mission school up on the mountain. But this time, I was free to find local housing for my family, which I did quickly. A new, clean dwelling place with two bedrooms, our own bath, a lanai, and a place to park an old used car that we had just purchased from Budget Rent-A-Car. This I could handle. Now I could get to work, and I thank God for the providing the luxury of our own place. Fast forward another three months. Things were going well. The school was up and running. But one day, the mission informed us that they now wanted our family to move to the large mission headquarters base itself, where we would be housed in a new community-style dwelling place. We would be given a one-bedroom hotel room, think Motel 6 style, but with meals provided in central dining. I balked, I refused, I was a very, very angry man, and I cried out again to God. God, I cannot move again. I've left everything for you. I can't live in a motel room with my family. If you really want us to move again, make it clear, very clear. And I was just shaking. I opened my Bible for the day's reading, reluctantly, and I saw Moses' words in Psalm 91 staring me in the face. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. I froze, I read them again and again, and then I broke down and I cried like I'm about to right now. I acquiesced and I said, yes, Lord, you are my dwelling place. I'll trust you and I will move yet once more. Little did I know that these dramatic spiritual and physical location changes I experienced in just four years for only the beginning of multiple dwelling places I would occupy over the next 40 years of my new faith journey. But God's grace was sufficient for what lay ahead. I recall vividly the day he spoke these words to my heart. John, all of your life, you've desired to root deeply in place and vocation. And that is well, and that is good. But when I called you to sell everything and follow me the first time, you had allowed the soil around your roots to become hardened, making the call of my uprooting very difficult for you and those around you. From now on, I want you to continue to root deeply in the places I call you, but I want you to keep the soil turned and soft around those roots, that where I call, you may follow, for I am your dwelling place. Elkin, Virginia is now our family's dwelling place. Church of the Lamb is now our dwelling place. And we are grateful to be here for the purposes God has for us and for this flock. Nancy and I rooted deeply in what I lovingly call Mayberry and invested with joy, time, and resources in this exciting planting of the Lord. We love Church of the Lamb. But I, like all of us, have mixed feelings about the changes that God is calling us to. There is some fear, there is sadness, yet there is excitement. Emotions I and many of us have experienced in our various journeys of faith over the years, not just here at Lamb, 
But the good shepherd only leads us beside still waters. And he makes us to lie down in green pastures. And he even guides us through the valley of the shadow of death. With assurance that God is both our good shepherd and our dwelling place at all times and in all places, I pray that we will continue in prayer, in love, in unity, in peace, and in anticipation for the mission God has prepared for this flock in East Rockingham, and yes, I believe even beyond. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. May he be our dwelling place both now and forever. So when we ask the question, how do we move forward? And we say that the answer to that question is that we are to trust completely in God. This is not trite, cliche advice. This is hard. It's easy to dwell on the things that are sad about this. It's easy to see it. But it's also important that we ask the question, how is it that God could bless us? How is it that God could provide for us? You see, it, you know, we, it would be easy to respond to all of this and say, well, the deck is stacked against us. You know, we can't argue back, that sort of thing. But what I'm trying to say to all of us is all of us and all our fears, regardless of what those are, ultimately we deal with God. And we must learn to trust in God. So how could God bless us in this? You know, there are lots of amazing opportunities for children's ministry that we could share with you about. And Kelly's excited about that. The, Car the Parish Council really does believe that this gives us an incredible opportunity to grow and to discover even more who we're called to be in this side of the county. We really do believe that. But not to romanticize it. As much as this is going to bring new challenges and will be different, the greatest benefit this move can bring to Church of the Lamb is if we take a step in faith together and we are more deeply formed in Christ. That through this, we can all look back like John does on these situations where he was uprooted and we can say, I trust God more because I saw what he did. 